Thank you, Jason, for that intro. Um, hi, everyone. Um, so today's message um, or passage will come from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 27. So just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, I would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the, bod if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has the body together, has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for your goodness and your grace, and we thank you so much for your presence in this room. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you just simply use me as a mouthpiece to just deliver your message. And we just ask Jesus that you have your way with every single one of us here. Um, and we just thank you. We love you, and we pray in all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I just want to preface this by letting you all know that you guys are part of a miracle, at least for me, um, because I have for quite some time had um, a, a fear of public speaking. And, um, you know, one of my vivid memories was of me in junior high was to give a presentation and I completely drew a blank and I bursted into tears and I ran out the classroom. So. If I end up running out through those doors, you all know why. Um, but, you know, over the years, there have been opportunities for me to speak in, you know, smaller groups and such. But this is by far the largest group I'm speaking in front of. So that's why I'm saying it's quite a miracle. So thank you for being a part of my own healing process today and having me here. Um, so going back to the scripture that I just read, um, so Paul wrote this letter to the church of Corinth, you know, calling them out and correcting them on the division that existed within their church because they viewed certain spiritual gifts uh, to be of greater value than others. And 
we didn't read this, but in the entire chapter 12, you know, verses 1 through 11, Paul talks about all the spiritual gifts, which are um, the word of knowledge, increased faith, gifts of healing, the gift of miracles, prophecy, the discernment of spirits, speaking in tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And so today what I would like to do is share my story and my experiences over the years of just different church environments and um, how As We Dwell came to be what it is today because of those experiences. Um, so I grew up in a Christian household, um, but it was a Presbyterian upbringing, and so it was very you know, fear-based, legalistic, um, I was raised believing that I would be punished if I disobeyed God. And that was the extent of what I guess would be a relationship with God, which wasn't much because it was just, um, just this fear-based relationship. And, you know, both my grandfathers, they were, they were pastors, and they have quite a story of how they escaped North Korea to start a new life in South Korea. And they were also both church planters. And then my uncles were all pastors, and my dad went to seminary school but didn't become an ordained pastor. But there was quite a legacy um, that we were to live up to. And so we, you know, we had to be, we had to be this model Christian, if you will, in a lot of ways. Um, but as I got older, I think there were, you know, I felt a lot of hurts from the church. I saw a lot of hypocrisy and things. And so church became more like I go to church on Sundays. And during the week, I would party with my friends, go drinking and all that. And that was like my college years. And then, you know, enter adulthood. Um, didn't really change much other than I became a teacher. So Sundays, I go to church. Then I would teach during the day, and by night, I was partying, drinking, hanging out with friends, and so forth. And then I think it was around my mid-30s, I reached a point where nothing I did was fulfilling me. I felt such an emptiness, and I couldn't figure out how to fill that emptiness. And, and I think in that desperation, I, I, I did end up calling out to God and just asking him to help me figure out what that was. So, you know, I ended up going on Facebook because, you know, Facebook has all the answers. So I went on Facebook and one of my friends, he ended up like posting, I'm dying from CrossFit. And, you know, that was music to my ears. So the moment I saw it, I like posted like, where are you doing, uh, you know, where are you doing CrossFit? Like, I wanna join. He's like, at the roof of our building. And I'm like, okay, how much? It's like free. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm so there. Um, so the following week I went and he told me which you know, unit to go into. And then when I entered into this room, the lights were down, music was playing, people's hands were raised, they were singing, they were worshiping, and I just didn't understand what I had walked into because I came to work out. And so I was a little bit confused, but I you know, sat there for about 30 minutes just watching and just wondering why people are worshiping, because I didn't know I was joining a, a Christian group, if you will, you know? By the end of it, lights turn on, I look around the room, and 
everyone looked like me, you know, and I'm sure we at one point crossed paths and partied together and so forth, so I still started to feel a little bit comfortable, and we went to the roof of this building in Cape Town, and it was a beautiful view, and sure enough, by the end of the workout, I mean, it kicked my butt. I was on the floor, totally exhausted, and I'm an active person, but um, one of the brothers ended up just coming up to me and asking if he could pray for me, and I was like, why would you pray for me, I, you know, and I, he was a complete stranger. So he started praying, and as he was praying, I felt like he was like reading my mail, like he was calling out this emptiness that I was feeling, like I didn't understand. And at the time, I didn't know that that was called prophesying, you know, because even though I grew up in the church, Spiritual, I never really saw spiritual gifts being exercised. It wasn't active, so I didn't have a gauge for it. So when he was praying for me, I kind of was like, what is happening? But I bursted into tears because I didn't, like the stranger, felt, I felt like all of a sudden like knew my pain. And by the end of it, when he said amen, I just like left because I didn't know what I was experiencing. But throughout the week, I had some time to process it. And although I was like weirded out, I was intrigued at the same time. So I went back the following week. It was the same thing. Started off with worship, workout, pray. And it's like, oh, okay, well, I guess this is a thing. And so weeks turned into months. And, you know, the next thing I knew, like, I was starting to, like, feel comfortable in this space. And I was even being encouraged to try praying for people by this community. And then next thing I know, I'm even trying prophesying. And I had no idea what I was doing, but it just kind of in faith gave it a try. And then one day, they even encouraged all of us in a room just to ask for the gift of tongues. And I'm like, why would I ask for the gift of tongues? But you know, out of curiosity, again, I just decided I would try. Um, it didn't really quite happen the first time around, but once I felt like I was just like, oh, whatever, that's when I slowly started to see like, oh, like it just kind of came. And it, again, I was weirded out. Like, um, but I, I think as I practiced it a little bit more and more each time, it started to get more, more comfortable and it's become a part of my own prayer life. Um, and it's helped me in a lot of ways in those moments when I don't know what to pray, that I feel like Holy Spirit comes in and intercedes on my behalf to really pray for the things that are just kind of like sitting and burdening me. And, um, you know, I didn't know it. You know, I've told this, told this story in this next story that I'm about to tell many times, and I didn't make this connection until I was preparing for, you know, today. But God was preparing me for something that the enemy had planned for. So I joined Christ Fit summer of 2013. And then November of 2014, I ended up getting into this huge car accident. I was out in Mexicali with a friend. I was driving a brand new Prius. And I was T-boned by a big rig going 63 miles per hour. And my whole driver's side was completely smashed in. Um, I should have died. And, and I, you know, when you look at the photos, when you look at the aftermath, the whole driver's side was just smashed. 
But I realized as I was preparing what the Lord was doing, and I am a walking miracle that I am here today, but what the Lord was doing was he knew that the enemy had planned for this day. So instead of stopping it, because he had the power to stop it, he knew that it wouldn't completely destroy me and take me out. So he allowed it to happen because he knew that it would raise me up. And so what he did was, Christfit physically prepared my body for this day. Mentally prepared my body for this day and spiritually. Um, you know, when I was lying in the hospital bed of this, you know, because um, I was airlifted to the nearest trauma center because we were all the way out in Salvation Mountain. So then they had to airlift me to Palm Springs. I, you know, I think the old me, because I had such a negative mindset, I always thought of myself as a victim and things were always happening to me. As I was sitting there, as I was lying there, I couldn't help but to feel just gratitude and thankfulness because I was alive. And, you know, and I, I knew that God had something more for me. And so instead of a feeling like a victim, I felt like a victor. And it was one where I was so excited for what God had in store and what he, what he had planned for me. So, you know, the doctors said that it would take me like three months to recover. Um, but, you know, I was, I was quite determined and within, you know, six weeks, I was back on my feet, lightly working out again. And during my recovery, um, I was reading a lot of Christian books. And, you know, because, um, you know, I grew up, you know, Presbyterian, I started to open myself up to different, you know, denomination and different types of churches just to see, you know, like, how do I know what is right, what is wrong, or whatever? So there was a missionary named Heidi Baker, and she's a charismatic missionary. She's actually from Newport Beach. And around 19, she was called into the mission field. And she's been to, you know, Asia, Europe, but she spent majority of her time in Africa, and she's still there today. And she would speak about, in her book, about all these crazy miracles, like blind eyes seeing, dead coming alive, food multiplying. And as I'm reading it, I'm like, no, 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 this can't be happening in our day and age. Like, it just happened, it just happened in the Bible. It's not, it doesn't happen here. I doubted it. But, you know, instead of just doubting it, I thought, you know what, let's, let's go out and see with my own two eyes if this actually really happened. So I looked up online her ministry. She had a three-month um, program. So I signed up and I went. I went to Mozambique, Africa for three months. Um, but because I kind of like had this approach where I was a little bit doubtful of like the, you know, what I was gonna see, I was judgmental. So I sat in the back of the room and there were like a thousand Mozambicans and some students, 200 students and so forth in this room. And I mean, because they're like radically charismatic, you know, people were falling to the ground, they're laughing. I, it just was just, in my eyes, just didn't seem like it was God. So, you know, every day I'm like, God, this can't be you. Like, this is just like out of control. This can't be you. And, you know, and so I was, you know, every day just sat in the back. 
And it wasn't until like a few weeks in that I just kind of unexpectedly just fell to the ground. And it wasn't this like monumental thing, but it just was a simple fall. And the Lord just really gently spoke to me and, and about just the way I'm, you know, my judgment and, and what it could look like and feel like to just fully surrender myself. And so once I was able to really surrender, I was able to experience the fullness of what Heidi Baker's ministry had to offer, you know? And, and I, it was there where I felt like the Lord was really challenging me to see, like, this is how your Presbyterian upbringing worshiped me. This is how Heidi Baker's ministry worships me. It's not a right or wrong thing. It's about finding the way you would like to worship me. And so, you know, I then decided, like, okay, then that, that, that resonates with me. Like, I don't have to do what I'm seeing, but I just need to find what it would look like to honor myself as I honor God. And so um, it, was, it was, you know, in Africa where I felt like I really truly understood what it meant to lead with love. You know, I think oftentimes missionaries go into a mission field thinking, I need to save them, I need to fix things, we're going to bring all these things. And, but we, it's, that's not the approach that they took. The approach was, you know, they would equip each other within, you know, their, their base, but when they go out, they just sit with them. They would eat with them. They do life. They were just a representation of Jesus. And, um, and that was where I really learned what it looked like to just be Jesus, to be the church, you know, out in, you know, out in the world. Um, and, and in Africa, a lot of them were witch doctors and Muslims and things. And so, um, so yeah, there, it wasn't about like, let me shove something down your throat. It was truly about, you know, we love Jesus. And if you want to, you know, be a part of it, great. If you don't, we'll just come and visit. We'll sit with you. Um, and I, although I didn't personally get to see a miracle that I wanted, but God really did speak to me through something that happened because we had to go out in small groups and one of our student groups did go out to just like minister and so forth. And there was this one hut, uh, one home that they just heard a lot of wailing and crying and wailing and crying. And so they asked if they can come in and then when they went in, they found out that um, a five, their five-year-old son had died of malaria. It had just been a few hours. And so, you know, their grandmothers were all witch doctors and they prayed, they did whatever, like pray or whatever it is that they do to try to bring this child back to life and nothing. So they were just so distraught. So two of the students, it wasn't even Heidi Baker or any, like any, it just was one of us. They just asked, can we just pray? And so 15 minutes of just praying, you know, um, this five-year-old came back to life. And I know it feels so unbelievable, but it, it happened because the reason why it needed to happen was every single one of the family members all gave their lives to Jesus in that instant. And, 
you know, that was when the Lord really spoke to me and said, Sarah, you know, miracles are not for your amusement. I don't just do miracles. It's, it's to bring salvation. It's to bring people to me. And because I am, you know, I'm the Savior. And I just was so like, ugh, I, you know, I, I repented at that moment. And um, so as I'm going through, like, just all these, like, personal just, you know, surrendering and just re res uh, realization of a lot of things, um, I, could st I started to hear God's voice so much more clearly. And so when I asked God for my mission field, um, he told me L.A. And I was like, I didn't come all the way to Africa to get L.A. I could have just stayed in L.A., you know? But, um, and I really didn't want L.A. because I was ready to leave L.A. I was over it. I mean, this is where I partied. This is, you know, like I was just done. But he said, no, L.A. is your mission field. And the moment I was able to receive L.A. is where I really saw a vision for an open space. And, and in this open space, I really wanted people to just enter in and feel God's presence. Um, and I wanted them to even encounter Holy Spirit, not by what was necessarily happening or because it was the four walls of the building, but because, you know, I mean, yes, it is because of what was, like, you know, happening in the space, but it would be the people that people would experience, you know? Um, and so as soon as I saw this vision, I started to see what my personal purpose and mission in life was. And it was to basically share how real God is uh, just through my own personal story and to become what I call like an unconventional missionary that would always lead with love. Um, so I wanted to create a community specifically for early stage business owners, entrepreneurs, creatives, nonprofits, church plants. I felt like it was really important to have the church within the space and um, independent professionals. And so here I was in Africa praying and I just kept asking God during my quiet time for a name and a name and I kept seeing dwelling place as I was reading um, in the Old Testament. Like in Leviticus 26, 11 through 12, it, it would say, I will put my dwelling place among you. I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. So I didn't want to say dwelling place because it felt too Christianese, if you will, you know, because I wanted this space to still feel inviting for people who were non-Christian because I wanted it to feel like this was a space where Christians and non-Christians could coexist. So as I was praying, I then came up with the name As We Dwell, and it would be this fill-in-the-blank with every person that would come through, every business and, you know, that would be there, every church. So it's like As We Dwell Citizens, you know, As We Dwell Jason. And so that's kind of like what I had, that's how, I, how the name came to be. Um, and, you know, Although I had a very clear vision for what As We Dwell would be, I unfortunately didn't have a clear plan because I have no experience running a business. I spent 12 years in a classroom, you know, being a fifth grade teacher and, 
And um, so I didn't have quite the experience. I was considering going back to grad school again, but the thought of going into further debt for a second master's like just didn't sound good to me. So I just trusted that, the, that God would lead me. And um, I just in faith, you know, started this business. Um, but just so you know, it wasn't like one day all of a sudden. As I was teaching, I did like rent a table in Arts District from, you know, it was like this like thousand square feet and there was like seven of us. And so I was just doing workshops, like doing like, you know, watercolor workshops and so forth. So it was, that was the, the earliest eight days of it while I was still teaching. And then it was about a year later where I acquired a space in Arts District, not the same space that we're in now, and it was 3,700 square feet. Um, actually, during the Sovereign Grace days, you guys all came and did an event there too. Um, and then, and then um, when I felt like I was done, because you know, I didn't have a clear plan, and we're, you know, we were at the place where I just felt like, I don't know that we can keep going, I had, out of nowhere, I felt encouraged to just give it another shot. So somehow there was this other space just around the corner that was double the size, almost double the size. It was 6,750 square feet. And that's the space that exists today and has been there for about three and a half years. Um, that's the space that citizens, all of you, have been a part of. Um, and so today, as We Dwell is home to five church groups, three nonprofits, three creatives, three early stage business owners. We've hosted countless events, weddings, music video release parties, film screening, birthdays, and baptisms, and anything else that could possibly come through. So we're a family-run business. Um, I do this full-time. My husband has a full-time job, but because now we have a 21-month-old, he takes all the events on the weekends. Um, and then um, our 14-year-old helps out whenever he can. But really, the big boss is our 21-month-old. He has his own, he has the best office in the house. Shared with another baby dweller. Actually, they're here today. <laughs> One of our dwellers, are, they're here today. And they share that room. And so we want, it's, it's an ever-evolving space, you know, depending on what God has. You know, during COVID, I really thought we were gonna shut down for sure, because we're an event space and we weren't producing any income whatsoever. But, you know, I have an amazing landlord that I'm partnering and working with. We have such an open rapport and we worked out such a reasonable deal that he allowed us to still be able to exist and make it through the pandemic. And not only that, during that time, I think it like God intended for that to happen because I don't know that I would have had, been able to have a baby any other time because I was forced to be at home because <laughs> I was working like nonstop. But it was there where I asked God how we need to pivot, you know, because I felt like we weren't necessarily doing it right. And I felt like the Lord just encouraged me to just, 
you know, expand, expand. I'm like, I don't want to further expand this space. And it wasn't about expanding the space. It was expanding just even like my mindset, what I had to offer, and think outside the box. And so we were already hosting one church plant, and I thought that was how it was supposed to be done. But all of a sudden, you know, like the Lord told me, he's like, no, we need multiple churches in here. And so I'm like, God, how am I going to do this? Am am I going to do the outreach? Are you going to bring them to me? Because I still feel like I'm going through postpartum here. Like I don't have the energy. But the Lord did. He, one by one, it was he brought them to me. I would get a phone call. I would get an email. And, And the reason why a lot of these connections, most of these connections were made, it was by word of mouth. That has been like just such a saving grace for as we dwell over the years. Um, and also peer space and Gigster as well too has been, the web, the web has also been quite helpful as well. But I have to say the word of mouth has been the 80% of our, um, our revenue stream. And so, um, so with that, I wanna go back to 1 Corinthians 12 um, and, and just address kind of, and go back to this, you know, just all the stories that I just shared. So although I grew up in the church, I didn't see like spiritual gifts being exercised. Um, I saw a lot of hierarchy. I saw a lot of division. And I was spending more time, and as I was spending more time in the word and witnessing and partaking in some of these spiritual gifts, I started to understand that, oh wow, like this is actually what church is, you know? There's so much more, like this is what God means by mysteries of God. He shows up in these, in these spaces when we're willing to take faith, when we're willing to step out in faith and try it out, you know, and get uncomfortable. Um, so, you know, as, as um, all of these experiences helped create As We Dwell, I think to become church beyond Sundays. Um, I obviously don't know the first thing of church planting or anything, and I'm not, you know, um, I didn't go to seminary school or anything. So in a lot of ways, in the traditional, conventional sense, like I'm unqualified. But for me, um, I just knew that church wasn't just a Sunday thing, you know? And, you know, sure, as we dwell, it's a, you know, over the years, I think it it became this space where gifts and talents are honored and celebrated. It's a space where various denominations of the Christian faith can unite and congregate. Um, It's a space where non-believers can enter in and love the aura of the room. I've heard that a lot. And, but then secretly we know they're, they're experiencing Holy Spirit. And, um, and it's, although it's a space, that's not what makes it the church. It's the people dwelling in it, coming through, that really makes it church, you know, beyond Sundays. And um, so what I'd like to do is just talk about, you know, church in our current climate and talk about what it's not, you know. So it's not the four walls of a building. Um, uh, because we're finding that more and more people are leaving the church, but they're, you know, doing church in, you know, 
unconventional ways. They're leaving the conventional ways of church. Um, but yet, it's still so true to what the gospel is, you know? And it's not just a Sunday thing, you know? And it's not just going to church on, you know, going to a church service. It's not legalistic, and it's not divided or judgmental. But it's very, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a body where we learn to honor one another for our gifts. And, you know, and it's, it's a united body made up of people that really encourages one another to try something new. And, um, and, it's, a, and it's a body that does life together beyond Sundays, that we're keeping each other accountable. We're going through the sufferings together and also celebrating together. Um, and that's what I feel like makes up a church. And I also believe another characteristic of a, a church or a body uh, would be when you approach things with the servant's heart and you, you're able to embrace and elevate the marginalized um, by sitting with them, learning from them, and loving them just as they are, which I feel like, you know, citizens, you guys have been doing. And I was here last week when Dennis was sharing, and he really spoke on, you know, about the marginalized. And it really shows how you all know how to really come into that space and just be there with them. And I've personally been so encouraged by the way you all do church um, here at Citizens. And, you know, seeing and hearing all the city dinners about the, uh, in the book clubs, the volunteering that you do during happy hours, because I know that you were volunteering and, and helping one of our nonprofits that works with um, survivors of human trafficking. You know, that is church, what you all are doing. And I'm just so encouraged and I know that you had worship night just recently and that this is going to become a monthly thing and I'm you know I'm so just thankful that I can partner with you all and what God has in stored and um, you know I feel that you know having even allowing all of us to speak here um, and have a platform to share on what God's vision has been for each of us clearly shows, you know, that you have this, this heart of partnership and, and a servant's heart to really be able to reach the cities and do more than what I think the conventional church has done thus far. Um, so I hope you all will be encouraged to find even new, more new ways to be the church in your workplace, you know, because I think it takes one person to kind of step out in faith to be a church, and then all of a sudden you'll find that there's like other people there that are like, oh, hey, and together you might even form a church in your workplace, you know, to be the church in your family or your friend groups if majority are non-believers and such. Um, and so I will leave you all with this, you know, what does it look like for you to do church beyond Sundays, okay? So let's pray. Um, God, we thank you for uh, just even this miracle that just happened that I was able to get through this, this sharing, God. 
Um, and we thank you that um, for what you're doing in this church and citizens and what you're doing here and what you're doing through them as a partner with various um, nonprofits and businesses and such, Lord. And I just, I can already feel, Lord, that you have such, you, there's such an anointing over just um, all of these partnerships and, and even stepping out in faith and doing things that are a bit, you know, unconventional, different from what's been happening, Lord. So we just invite you to just show us what it may look like to just do church beyond just today, what it looks like to do church every day of our lives. Um, so yeah, we just thank you, we love you, and we pray in all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.